Hey, that's enough spieling for me. Uh, like I said, we've got an interview lined up here with Ben McKee of VolQuest and Swain Event. Uh, this is some really good stuff on the Tennessee fall camp. I think you guys are really going to appreciate this one. All right, we're pleased to be joined by uh, Ben McKee, co-host and producer of the outstanding Swain Event radio show there in Knoxville. And he covers Tennessee for VolQuest. He's a must-follow for every Tennessee fan out there at Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ben, thanks for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate you having me on. Hope you've been doing well. I have been, and uh, but not as well as you, my man. You're all over the, the airwaves. You're all over the beat. So I got to ask, do you have uh, time to anything else on your plate? Is there any chance that uh, you got any eligibility and you could play linebacker for the Vols this year? <laughs> uh, I, I guess I could find maybe a, a spare year <laughs> of eligibility. Uh, somewhere but I don't know that Tennessee would would want me I'm I'm doing good to paint my new house and put flooring in and, and deal with that in the midst of of fall camp so I don't, I don't know that uh Brian Jean-Marie wants me playing in his uh in his linebacker room I got you well hey uh, if, if anybody's missed it you got to check out uh, Ben's work over at VolQuest and uh, one of my favorites is he that he's put out here recently there's just 11 storylines that he'd be watching heading into fall camp, and no surprise, number one on the list, the quarterback. So I got to ask you, Ben, just based on what you've seen, I know it's early in camp, but uh, how are the quarterbacks looking for Tennessee? They're looking solid. Uh, I mean, I don't think you can take a, a definitive stance on anybody just yet. You see the potential in the room, but it still obviously remains a, a big question mark and will remain a big question mark and, until somebody takes the bull by the horns and uh, takes the job. Uh, Joe Milton is obviously the one that's generated the most headlines throughout fall camp, and that's just because he's he's so different than the rest. Tennessee sophomore receiver Jimmy Callaway uh, said so himself when he met with the media last week, just speaking to his his size and, and the type of, of ball that he throws. Uh, in the words of Jimmy Callaway, it's it's just different. And what he means by that is uh, Milton is is a guy that's uh, obviously huge in stature, but uh, has an even bigger arm, can throw it up to 80 yards in the air and uh, throws it with a lot of zip on the, on the, on his passes. So uh, Milton's obviously generated a bunch of headlines this fall camp because of his size and, and because he is newer than the rest of the bunch. But uh, uh, he's looked solid uh, through the first week or so of camp and, and his – Biggest task right now, in my opinion, is just forming consistency. That's kind of what plagued him while he was at Michigan, just the, the inconsistency, uh, inaccuracy with his passes. But then the, if he throws an incomplete pass, then he'll come back and just make an absolute beauty of a throw. So uh, he's a guy that can make all the throws and uh, has looked solid throughout the first week or so of, of camp. And uh, I would say Hendon Hooker's probably right behind Joe Milton. Uh, Hendon Hooker is uh, probably the most consistent of the bunch at least he is in my opinion not a guy that's gonna throw the ball 80 yards in the air uh, like a Joe Milton but a, a guy that's just gonna be steady Eddie and real solid and uh, just looks real poised and as he should I mean he's the guy in the bunch that's played the most football and done so at a pretty high level over at Virginia Tech and the ACC and uh, you, you go turn on the Miami-Virginia Tech tape from last year, and you can see him making some really nice plays against a, a really good Miami defense. So Hooker's looked good as well. 
I, I think a week in the camp, it's probably between those two, or I should say those two are out front. And I think Harrison Bailey uh, is a little bit behind, not out of the race by any means, uh, but I, I do think Bailey is, is running behind those guys. And uh, Bailey also struggling, not struggling, I should say, but working to be consistent along with Joe Milton, uh, just the, the ability to process information and the ability to push the ball down the field. But he, he's looked solid as well. And then I, I think Brian Maurer is definitely uh, fourth in line there. Now, what's your confidence level that uh, whichever quarterback it is, that uh, you know they're going to excel given Josh Heupel's track record and his offense? Because I think a lot of Tennessee fans, you know, and you can go the last couple of coaching staffs, it didn't seem like uh, the fans have much faith in the, in the coaches to make the right decision under center at many seasons now I'm thinking here. So what, what's your confidence level that in the, the quarterback that they do pick that uh, they'll make him very productive in this offense? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I mean, right now I have no reason not to be. Uh, we did assume that Jared Garantano was, was going to take a step forward when Jim Chaney was hired uh, because Jim Chaney had proven himself to be one of the, the better offensive coordinators in the SEC and in the country. So uh, we assumed that JG would take a step. Obviously, that never happened. So you obviously take things with a grain of salt when when you kind of project uh, with, with any coach just because you, you know that it's not a guaranteed success just because there's somebody new in charge. But to this point in Josh Heupel's coaching career, He's given no reason to to think otherwise. Uh, going back to his time at Missouri with Drew Locke, and uh, I, I know there's a lot of talk amongst UCF fans that UCF took a step back after Scott Frost left to take Nebraska, but uh, you're naturally going to take a step back when you go undefeated the year prior. Mm -hmm. And if you look at uh, a couple of different statistical categories, uh, UCF's offense got better under Josh Heupel, and the quarterback's were improved under Josh Heupel, uh, Dylan Gabriel, that is. So uh, I'm, I'm fairly confident. We'll, we'll see. The proof will obviously be in the pudding. But uh, between Joey Halsley, Tennessee's quarterback's coach, Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator, and, and Heupel, uh, I have a hard time that, A, that they would pick the wrong person, and, B, that in this quarterback-friendly offense that uh, they're not going to get solid play at minimum and based off quarterback play the last couple of years I think solid quarterback play would be a big step in the right direction now one of the other uh, storylines you said you'd be watching is who will start at left tackle and I know you met with uh, Glenn Ellerby the offensive line coach and a couple of the linemen there and I know it's early but uh, any indication on who that could be Cade Mays Dane Davis anyone come to mind as Tennessee's potential uh, starting left tackle not not at the moment, and that storyline has become even more interesting since I wrote that piece heading into camp last week. Uh, going into camp, I thought the starter would prove to be Karon Calvert. Now, his name wasn't written in pen. He was going to have to go out there and earn it. But out of Calvert, Dane Davis, and Jeremiah Crawford, uh, a junior college signee that Tennessee recently brought in, I thought Calvert would prove to be the best out of those three. Calvert's the guy that has the talent and has the potential, but just hasn't been able to stay healthy during his time at Tennessee and has mainly dealt with knee injuries, but had that cleaned up over the offseason and was ready to go. And unfortunately for him, suffered a biceps injury that looks like it's going to keep him out for, for several months, if not the entire season. So 
that obviously eliminates Calvert, K-Ron Calvert from the mix. And uh, the reason I say that that storyline has become even more interesting is because now it seems like they're they're trying to work Darnell right in at left tackle. I, I don't know if that that's a, a permanent move, but they're at least uh, mixing and, and matching and trying to test different options. And Darnell Wright, big five-star tackle coming in college, has primarily played right tackle, but has been getting a lot of work over at left tackle. So uh, that that opening has become real interesting because if you can slide Darnell Wright over from right tackle to left tackle, then you likely slide in Cade Mays at right tackle. Then you would have Jerome Carvin at left guard, Cooper Mays at center, and Javante Spragans at right guard, and that's likely Tennessee's best five offensive linemen, which is the goal for Dylan Ellerby and Alex Golish and Josh Heupel is to, to get the five best offensive linemen on the field. Another big question is Tennessee's pass rush. Who do you think uh, will, will lead this team in uh, sacks and quarterback hurries this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be Byron Young, the newcomer out of Georgia Military College. Uh, he's a guy that was very impressive in the spring um, and just a, a guy that has a, a great mindset going into the season. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. And his his story is very deserving of success because he's a guy that came from JUCO but uh, did not have any scholarship offers coming out of high school and uh, saw a, a flyer just kind of around his school for a junior college football tryout. And he went and tried out for the for the JUCO team and, and he made it. So uh, a really neat storyline that uh, truly epitomizes started from the bottom, as a lot of people <laughs> like to say, because Byron Young did start from the bottom. And uh, I think he's going to be one of Tennessee's best defenders this year. Again, he had a really, really nice spring uh, when he early enrolled Eid. And I think he'll start on, on one of the edges opposite of, of Tyler Barron uh, this fall. And I, I think he's going to be Tennessee's most consistent, most productive pass rusher. All right, one of the other storylines you had is uh, who will be Tennessee's number three receiver. But, of course, they know what they're getting in Volusia Jones Jr. Jalen Hyatt was uh, at times spectacular last season as a freshman. Uh, who are the early front runners? do you think, for Tennessee's number three receiver? Yeah, I think Jimmy Calloway is the first one that comes to mind. Uh, he's very impressive, uh, just really smooth out on the football field. I, I think it'll be Jimmy Calloway or – uh, Javante Payton, the transfer from Mississippi State. I, I think it'll be one of those two guys. Uh, Valus Jones Jr. is definitely going to be the the top guy in the room, uh, the most reliable guy. I, I think Valus is going to put himself in a position to be drafted. And then Jalen Hyatt has looked really good in camp so far, has a very uh, business-like approach, um, truly, truly treats every rep, every, every practice, every day like it's uh, – it's his only opportunity to make it to the NFL. And there's been a real business-like approach for Jalen Hyatt. So I think those two are going to really have uh, big years. And obviously the quarterback position will uh, depend on how big of a year uh, those two have. But if Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, Harrison Bailey, if they can step up and really be good for Tennessee, then Jalen Hyatt and Bayless Jones, I mean, those those guys are going to light the world on fire this year. So uh, you, you're you're comfortable with your top two guys in the room. And I think Tennessee's fairly comfortable with its number three guy as well. Uh, I mentioned Jimmy Callaway uh, and Javante Payton, two speedsters, uh, two guys that have that can make plays, and, and I think that they will uh, make plays this season for Tennessee. 
Are there any other players that have stood out to you? Just uh, you know, maybe just caught your eye in camp that uh, that you've yet to mention. Um, you know, the the one is uh, Jalen Hyatt. I kind of just talked about him. He he's honestly been the one that's been most impressive um, so far in camp, uh, just because, as I mentioned, the the business like approach. But uh, in terms of somebody that I have not mentioned, I'd go to the defensive side of the ball and, and mention Warren Burrell. I think everybody thinks of. Alante Taylor as Tennessee's top corner, and I don't think people are wrong for doing that. But uh, I have a feeling, and I think Warren Burrell is really going to push Alante to to be Tennessee's top corner. I think Warren Burrell has been very impressive uh, over the first week or so, and uh, he's a guy that has starting experience and uh, started as a freshman and then lost his job when he got hurt. So uh, he's healthy, and, and he's looked he's looked very good through the first week or so of camp. He's a junior now. And you can tell that he has that uh, classic urgency that most upperclassmen have as they try to round out their career in a positive way and get to the league. So uh, Warren Burrell is a name that I have not mentioned that kind of first comes to mind when you ask me about guys who have stood out. Now, you uh, shared some comments here from Dane Davis today. It went kind of viral of just, you know, the, the energy there at practice under Josh Heupel, completely different. Can you kind of rehash that for the listeners? And, and is that something that you've seen that, uh, you know, it's not unique to Dane Davis, but maybe the players just uh, just uh, having more fun on the practice field? Absolutely. And Dane Davis was, was not shy in his comments about the, the, the difference in uh, the environment. And he was talking about practice specifically, but it's more than just practice. It's just everyday life in the football facility. It's, it's different. It's night and day different. Uh, and all of the players have spoken to that. Uh, not all of them. Not all of them have been as strong in their comments as as Dane Davis was today. And I loved how Dane Davis compared it to to Monday. How somebody like you and me, we go to work on Monday, dreading to go to work, and uh, that's what practice was like every day in the facility was like under the previous coaching staff. And now there's no more Monday. But there's no more Monday. Sorry. Uh, no more, no more Mondays. Everything is fun. Everything is a fun day uh, for for Tennessee football at the moment, and it's just a a polar opposite feeling within the football facility. And several of his teammates have uh, illustrated that throughout uh, the first week or so of camp when they've spoken with the media. But uh, Dane Davis definitely did not hold back and spoke to the last coaching staff and uh, just how they just zapped the energy out of everybody within the facility and. Um, again, so many players have alluded to it. Uh, there, there's no sense of entitlement uh, amongst the best players on the roster. That entitlement is gone. So uh, Dane Davis, very strong in his comments, and all of his teammates have, have also echoed that uh, throughout the first week or so in camp. But that also goes back to spring. I mean, you heard those same type of comments back in spring practice. And uh, it, it's it's not talk. It, it's genuine. genuine. There's a, There's a different vibe in the building right now. And We'll see if it translates to wins on the field, but uh, the culture is definitely different uh, under Josh Heupel so far, and that's a huge step in the right direction. All right, last thing for you, Ben. I really appreciate all the time you've given me, but you know, there's there's always the diehards that uh, are, are going to think Tennessee is going to do well no matter what. But I'm seeing you know quite a bit of negativity. Some some fans, maybe as we're getting closer to football, that's going away. But just this off season, a lot of Tennessee fans not that excited. 
Can you give us a reason for optimism? Throw out a, a thing or two that, that makes you think Tennessee can really overachieve this season in the SEC East. And I'm, I'm not saying win the division, obviously, but uh, you know, you're seeing some people have them as the sixth best team in the East, which I think is crazy. But uh, can you give us a, a reason for optimism heading into the season? Yeah, I, I think you don't look anywhere else other than the quarterback position. I know nobody's really asserted themselves just yet, but you have somebody other than the previous quarterback playing quarterback. I, I think that should be all the optimism in the world and kind of going hand in hand. You have somebody coaching the football team other than the last person who was coaching the football team. So I think uh, just a, a change in personnel should excite people. And uh, I, I don't really know what the, the true definition of, of Tennessee succeeding this season is for most people. Uh, in my mind, it's, you know, six or seven wins. And with this schedule, I think it's obtainable. Uh, typically, Tennessee's schedule always seems like it's the, the toughest in the country or, or one of the five toughest in the country. You, you've had to go to Oregon. You've had to open it up against the, the best West Virginia team in 20 years, it felt like. Uh, but th- this year is much different. You don't have to go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't come here. Uh, you play Pittsburgh week two, and I'm not chalking that up as a W for Tennessee, but uh, Josh Heupel in year one would, would much rather face Pittsburgh than uh, Butch Jones having to travel to Oregon year one or Jeremy Pruitt having to play West Virginia in Charlotte year one or uh, Oklahoma in year two, you you would much rather play Pittsburgh at home. So uh, you also don't draw, you know, a, a really tough uh, second team out of the West. You you do play Ole Miss, and uh, that game will be difficult because you know Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral are going to be able to put up some points. But mm-hmm. Ole Miss's defense is still going to be trash. So uh, if Josh Heupel's offensive system is what it seems to be, then you should be able to put up points as well. And that's a home game. Uh, you're definitely capable of winning that game is is what I'm getting at. So uh, the Pittsburgh game is winnable. Ole Miss game is winnable. And there are several others, South Carolina, uh, Missouri. Kentucky will be challenging, but I think that's a game Tennessee could win. So um, the fact that there's new leadership, there's a new vibe, I think there's definitely a recipe for overachievement for Tennessee this season. All right, he's Ben McKee. Catch him every morning with uh, Jason Swain over at the Swain event. And check out all his work at VolQuest. Really appreciate you, Ben. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Mike, really appreciate you having me. All right, so I just want to say thanks again to Ben McKee for joining the show and dropping some knowledge on Tennessee camp. Tennessee fans are dying to know what's going on up there on Rocky Top with uh, the new coaching staff and the quarterback battle and everything that goes with it. So uh, really good stuff from Ben. You've got to check out his work at VolQuest. Got to listen to the Swain event if you're not already That's uh, not only one of the best shows in Knoxville covering the Vols, but one of the best shows in the entire SEC. So check out the Swain event, which plays every weekday morning there in Knoxville. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. And, uh, you know, I apologize that the interview was not in video format. I mean, you would not believe how long this has taken me to do this stuff. Uh, I, the way I look at it, I'm like one of these players, man. I'm, I'm in camp right now. I got to get my, sh- my ass in shape for the season, <laughs> and I'm working my tail off. I was up to 1 a.m. last night doing these video edits, so I'm going to keep doing it uh, until 
I, I can't do it anymore. And the response has been terrific. So I cannot thank each and every one of you enough. Again, check out us, check us out on YouTube. And if you haven't already, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app and share that with us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll send you a beer koozie of your choice just for doing that. But I really do appreciate each and every one of you, all the support. And Cousin Shane, he'll be back on the next one. At least that's the plan. So uh, maybe he'll have his camera hooked up by then. I wouldn't, don't hold your breath. But uh, maybe he will. <laughs> we'll find out together. But that's going to do it. Catch you all the next one.